0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm delighted to be joined by Dylan Sprouse to talk all about his current film, Beautiful Disaster. And I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the preparation process that you went through, because it sounds like you you had about four months of, of physical training and really kind of like learning fight skills for the character. And I was interested in in kind of during that time period how that really built your relationship with your character because it's not just the physical aspect that you're kind of learning and, and growing in, but it's really thinking about the psychological elements and, and character traits along the way as well.
1: Yeah. Um well first off I'll say I love your accent. Are you like slightly Irish? I'm Is that a Irish English, accent? What am I catching?
0: English American. English American? It's such a
1: cool accent. Um, uh, Yeah, no. And to jump into the question. uh, Yeah, we had a lot of time to train. Four months, though, if you believe it or not, is not as long as some would hope for. Um, But I was also blessed to be working with uh, very, very talented trainers, both in Los Angeles and Bulgaria, uh, where we shot the movie. Um, so it takes a village. I was certainly not alone in my endeavor. Uh, I worked with a lot of MMA fighters and boxers and wrestlers in bulgaria and then i did a lot of physical training in terms of like bodybuilding and stuff in both la and in bulgaria too so i really don't think that i could have done it by myself um and i don't encourage anyone to do it by themselves either so uh yes (laughs) <laughs> a long story short
0: and and with your character as well you know he comes across incredibly self-confident at the beginning of the film when we first meet him and you know when when he's told by abby you're not my type his response is i'm everybody's type but we kind of quickly see that that's also a bit of a shield for a lot of vulnerabilities um and so how did you kind of go into finding the the confidence that you wanted him to have at the beginning and then what it would look like as you kind of stripped away into the more vulnerable sides of him
1: Yeah. Great question. I, you know, that was part of what uh, drew me to the scripts initially. I mean, I think that's what we also worked very hard on adapting from the book as well, which was, You know, I I don't think really truly a character is interesting, especially a male figure in this way is interesting um, unless there is some sort of vulnerability attached to him. And I think what drew me originally to Travis is that he's a very he's very upfront about who and what he is, and he's not really trying to hide that um which i think is a really cool trait for the character to have and i think that that's something that i was happy to have shared with the character um not really hiding who you are for anybody and it's kind of a take it or leave it attitude that uh, that really drew me to him so the vulnerable scenes felt i felt right at home doing those as well but i don't think that his confidence is fake in any way. I think that's how he really is, so...
0: I also like that we get to see certain moments where he's away from other characters, like the the scene where he's kind of practicing telling Abby his feelings before he actually does it to her face. And so how important were moments like, like that for you in order to kind of really just like see him in his private moments as well behind scenes and, and what that would look like with what you were just saying about, you know, he's not contorting himself into a different version, but there still are little things that come to the foreground when you're by yourself.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that was again like one of the special things. I, I, uh, Roger, the director, and I talked a lot about making sure that the character is still insecure in some ways. I mean, everybody is, and everybody has their own insecurities. No one's free of that. So we wanted to make sure that uh, that those were kind of on camera and documented as well. That he's still a guy who tries. He's not a guy who is, like, natural at really anything. This is something that he's worked hard at. Um, and so, like, the, those moments were particularly fun. But also, Roger is a director in which improv kind of flows freely. And we have worked together previously, and I think that's why we wanted to continue working together was because uh, we have great banter together so we wanted to make sure that we included some of that stuff in, uh, in the film as well
0: was that relationship with Roger also really beneficial when it came to the sense of humor and, and the comedy in the film as well for you
1: Oh, absolutely. Roger and I have such a, such a similar sense of humor that um, I I honestly think that if we did not, we would not have worked together as many times as we have now, which is, I think, three movies, maybe even going on four. I have no idea. I would work with Roger anytime because I think he's a swell guy. And uh, I think, uh, I think our humor is a line. So.
0: And I also, you know, going back to what you were just saying about Travis is a character that still really tries, you know, one of the ways that he does that is when he throws a surprise party for Abby for her birthday. Um, And so there's all these little ways in which he kind of communicates affection and emotion, even when it's not saying it out loud. And so what did you find were, were some elements of just the unspoken language that he has as a character and the way that he really shows his affection for other people?
1: I think that's a, like a very male thing in a lot of ways, right? Which is like a reluctance to say "I love you" or "I miss you," or like uh it's a, it's a it's a it's an action mentality rather than a than an outspokenness. Um, and I think that's part of the reasons I really love this character is that you know he he wants to make sure that he still shows it. Um, even if it's kind of he's dragged to do it, even if he's you know, he's pouty about it or he's angry about it, I think that's kind of like a it's cute, you know I think that's like a cute thing to do. So um I I related a lot to that, and I think that people watching it will relate a lot to that too, or at least I hope so.
0: And and lastly, you know, when when they go through conflict in, in this burgeoning relationship and you know, Travis kind of it feels like he shuts down a little bit. For you, what was the genesis of where that was coming from? Was it a place of protectiveness or or did you find it from a different space for him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of the beauty of this movie is that these these two romantic leads are certainly flawed. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you see a lot of films where the characters are squeaky clean mm-hmm. and in Beautiful Disaster, no one is squeaky clean. And I really liked that aspect of it I mean he's certainly coming from a place of personal trauma and he's coming from a place of personal background where he he feels the need to do so and he wants to protect her in that way and he thinks he's doing his best and she's trying to communicate to him that that's not necessarily the thing that he needs to do and that's the learning curve of these two characters which I think is beautiful for lack of uh, finding a word that isn't included in the title of the movie. Um, uh, so I, I think that's a very human and cool thing. And I was happy to have played a character that isn't cookie cutter and isn't clean. And, and it feels more true to actual romance in that way too. So.
0: Well, I, I love how great of an experience it sounds like it was. So congratulations on everything with the film and thank you so much, Dylan.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be joined by the wonderful Virginia Gardner to talk all about her latest movie, Beautiful Disaster. And I wanted to start by talking a little bit about your initial impressions of the character, because um, it sounds like when you first auditioned, it it was listed as Untitled Roger Cumble Project. And so you didn't necessarily have the detail of even the fact that it was based on a book and, and that extra material to dive into. And I was interested in kind of once you had a little bit more detail as you moved further in the process, how that became a useful tool to you, because sometimes it's such a wonderful gift to have all that extra material to dive into. And sometimes it, it it makes a little bit more sense depending on the project to really just focus on the script. And so I was interested in kind of which direction you went in and how that really helped you define the character.
2: Well, for me, ordinarily, I always read the source material, whatever it's based on, like be it, you know, I was on a Marvel show, so I read the comic books. And so I, I generally do read all the source material that's available to me, but I knew after I got the role and speaking with Roger, we were doing such a departure from these books and this character was gonna be very different than the books. And um, we sort of used the books as a jumping off point, but they also were written a while ago and I think they needed a bit of updating to feel 2023 friendly. Um, so because I knew we were going to be doing such a departure, I didn't want to read the books and get too tied to what this character was on the page. And also for me, potentially fall in love with that version of the character when I needed to be creating a whole new version of the character. So in this circumstance,
0: I did not read the books. I love that. And, and even in terms of the world of, of high gambling poker games, I was interested in kind of how deep of a dive you wanted to do into that world, because obviously you're playing a character who's grown up and been raised in that environment and very much in, in that sort of space, even more so than with peers and and kids her own age for a lot of her life.
2: Yeah. For the poker stuff I'd never played before. So I got a poker coach um so I've learned from someone fantastic and my dad played a lot of poker so my dad and I played a bunch of games together too which was fun and I watched films like Molly's Game and I watched The Cooler and kind of these movies that took place in like grimy feeling Vegas because I knew the Vegas we were creating in our movie wasn't going to be the shiny fun Vegas it was going to be like the darker you know darker Vegas so
0: I kind of wanted to dive into that world a little bit which was really fun. What what were some of the details that you kind of discovered in terms of finding your character from the research that you started doing into that world and really looking at what would it have been like to grow up in that sort of environment and to kind of very much have to be in a space where she's an adult before she's even ready to be?
2: Yeah, which is something that I feel like a lot of characters that I'm interested in have a past like that. It's just always really interesting being able to create that kind of a past for a character. Um, So that was a lot of fun. And then for me, on top of creating that past, it was really important that I learned how to handle the cards and shuffle and roll the poker chip across my fingers and do these little things that would tell the audience she's been handling cards since she was a child. So I would carry around a poker chip in my pocket when I'd go places or cards and just like
0: always just get really familiar with that texture and that feeling because she's known them her whole life. And, and in terms of her past as well, there's obviously so much complexity that comes into her life from her relationship with her father as well, and. It's not till later in the film that we get to see the two of them in a moment together. And yet we really get such a sense of what that dynamic is and how it's really influenced a lot of her actions and choices that she's making for herself. And so what were the challenges in terms of really setting up this relationship, making sure that it really kind of translated how much it's influential in her life before you even got to the moment of filming where you had the opportunity to have those scenes together?
2: Well, yeah, it was interesting because uh, Brian Austin Green, who plays my father in the film, was only in Bulgaria where we were filming for a number of days He because he was in and out. So we met and we got dinner, the two of us, and tried to sort of create this relationship as quickly as we could and talk backstory a little bit and just sort of get that chemistry and that feeling going between the two of us, which is hard when you haven't met someone before and you only have a couple of days to do so. So on my free time, I journaled a lot as Abby and I have notebooks where I wrote about her past and really fleshed that out for myself. So I was familiar with it. And for me, I'm always really inspired by music as well. So I'll pick some songs and create a playlist that kind of mimic the feeling I believe she's had with her father in the past and sort of create that moodiness and that feeling for myself. So that's kind of some of the techniques that I use to bring that to life.
0: I love that. What, what was some of the music in particular for this project that really helped you with her?
2: I always give that answer. And then the follow-up is what music <laughs> I need to go back and look at my playlist. And I still have probably been it. a while since you've listened I to it. <laughs> I don't know how many times I need to be asked that question to learn the lesson. I just need to look at the playlist, but I haven't done it yet. <laughs>
0: I also want, you know, in, in talking a little bit about the relationship that develops between Abby and Travis, kind of with the starting point of just even the first moment that they see one another, it's that that essence of, for her especially, it feels like time just completely slows down and stands still, and there's not even any dialogue between the two of you. And so what felt really important to, for both you and Dylan Sprouse to really capture in that moment of just the impact it's having and how it's it just feels instantly different to anyone they've probably ever met before.
2: Well, it was funny. So Dylan and I met each other many years ago, like a Halloween party, and he was dressed in this like he says it was a wood elf, but I he looked like Jolly the Green Giant or something like he was in this weird, like all green suit looking like a total nerd. It was very funny and weird. But we actually met at this Halloween party where I did my first and only keg stand and he was witness to it so we had like a very funny first meeting and like immediately hit it off too because we just have a very similar sense of humor and there's a lot of trust and like professionalism between the two of us too but we get along so well as friends that it really helps making that chemistry because we have the chemistry as friends so well it really helps that translate to screen and you know in that particular scene i think we'd already been filming for like a month or two at that point also so we'd already gotten to know each other really well and um, it just helps when you have that kind of relationship with a co-star and when you actually are friendly with someone off
0: screen, I think it really helps it read on screen. And it what's also great in terms of the chemistry that the two of you built into the film is, is kind of, it feels like they've got such a great kind of banter in terms of the sense of humor yeah. and that that's a really big existence of the chemistry. And it sounds like Richard, sorry, Roger as a director was kind of, really understood the importance of that as well and created a lot of space for that. And so what did that look like once you were filming and and really just getting that opportunity to have that space to play scenes and to try different things in that regard?
2: It was really fun because I hadn't done a comedy like this before. So for me, I was a bit nervous about jumping into the space and, Um, Roger made it very easy and he made the set environment really uh really like low-key and fun in a place where like if you made a mistake or a joke didn't land, it didn't feel like it was gonna crush you. It was like still a fun environment. And Dylan is so easy to work with in that way too. And we both just play off of each other really well. So it it kind of felt natural being able to have that relationship and Dylan and I joke so much with each other off screen that like some of those little jokey things that we do
0: made it into the film as well. So it's just it was fun to have that. And in terms of of the camera work, it feels like the the camera work really adds to a lot of the intimacy. There's a lot of kind of very specific close up work. And so what's the relationship that that you like to have or kind of awareness or lack of awareness that you like to have of kind of where the placement is in order to kind of build that in front of the camera in different ways?
2: Yeah, it depends on the nature of the scene. Like for me, if it's an emotional scene, I prefer to not feel aware of the cameras and kind of go into my own bubble a little bit more and um, and not be joking in between takes. Or like, sometimes I don't even want to know if it's like the close-up, close-up. I just prefer to kind of forget about it. But then when you're doing the intimate scenes, you know, you have the intimacy coordinator that's there and she's sort of helping us know where the camera is too. So we know if it's a close-up, we can you know, be wearing onesies for all anybody knows, you know, so it's always like keeping keeping it comfortable. And um, yeah, it's just it's helpful, given the nature of the scene to sometimes be very aware of where the camera is. And also for some of the intimate stuff too, making sure it's like a flattering angle, and, and all that stuff.
0: I imagine that one of the scenes where that came into play a lot was the scene where it's the two of you kind of moving through the hotel room and yeah. various things are being destroyed, because there's so many marks that you have to hit in terms yeah. of the choreography and so I I wanted to ask about working with Karen Evans and, and working with Roger and really just kind of what went into the choreography and the blocking of a scene that's so specific like that but at the same time when you're performing it has to feel very uninhibited and very free and spontaneous.
2: Yeah that was an interesting one and it did require that was of everything we shot other than the fight sequences what took the most rehearsal because we had to be there was mirrors that needed to fall things had to break we had to be able to move through this room and it was a lot of different setups as well to capture each of these moments and then we found stuff on the day like uh him kicking me in the head wasn't rehearsed he didn't actually kick me in the head but we thought on the day this would be a funny gag to add in so we also needed to leave enough room for us to play and We only got the sink moment. Um, Travis puts Abby on the sink and the sink just collapses. And that wasn't supposed to happen. The sink was supposed to stay there. Um, But on the day the sink broke and it made it in the film and was a really funny moment too. So it's all about leaving room to make those mistakes while keeping it really safe. And like having an intimacy coordinator, of course, does that. And when it's well rehearsed enough, I think for me, sometimes enough rehearsal makes me feel safer to be able to play in the moment and not feel like I'm having to play catch up and making sure I'm hitting everything
0: because the marks and the choreography has all become second nature at that point. And in playing Abby as well, there's so many kind of walls that she has up and, and kind of it almost feels like she's really just trying to protect herself when she meets Travis obviously she's emotionally really attracted to him really likes him instantaneously but kind of logically understands this isn't the right direction for me to go in right now and, I, and yeah. I don't think I should do this and so half the fun is kind of watching that that push and pull in your performance and so would you did you always have kind of a definitive idea before scenes of okay I feel like she's leaning into it a little bit more she's allowing her emotions to lead a little bit more she's pulling back logically a little bit more or was that also a where Roger kind of gave you some freedom to try different things?
2: There was a lot of freedom. And the way we sort of did the whole film was because at the time we did not know what the tone of the movie was going to be. There was a version that was a broad comedy, which is the closest to the version that you see. There was a version that felt more like a drama. There was a version that felt more grounded and natural. So we did takes of every single scene. We do the biggest comedic version, bring it down a little bit, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. So we had a bunch of safety in the edit because we didn't know what this movie was going to be yet. So that was, in my opinion, one of the smarter things that Roger did and allowed us to do is we just we covered it. We got every version of every scene pretty much. There's probably like six different movies that could have been made out of what we got um so yeah so there was a lot of freedom to play and we never really knew until the end what the tone of the movie was going to end up being
0: and and given the level of kind of self-protectiveness that she's exerting what did you find to be the kind of defense mechanisms that she's created for herself and kind of especially probably a lot of them coming from her childhood as well and, and the spaces that she's been in I think for her, it's running.
2: She's a big runner. I mean, she runs from her past. She runs from her dad. She runs from Travis at one point. Like, I think for her, she very much likes to run from her problems. And that's something that when everything comes to a head in Vegas, she realizes she can't do anymore and she needs to close this chapter. She can't run from her past. She can't run from her dad forever. So I think for her, kind of the arc and lesson of the film is that you you have to face your past. You have to accept who you are. And
0: um, Travis is a big part of her feeling like she's able to do that, too. One of the things I appreciated about her as a character as well is just the fact that she's very comfortable in holding her own space and she's very confident within her abilities and her experience, Um, you know, and it's kind of, it's not a cockiness and it's whether she's in a lecture and she's kind of challenging the professor because she's already read ahead and she actually knows that to be true, or she's kind of finally allowing people into seeing her poker skills. Um, You know, what did you kind of view as that aspect of finding that confidence in a way that also just never feels like it crosses over into being cockiness for her, which I thought was great.
2: That's good to hear. It's been interesting because the film has come out already in many places.
0: So I've already started
2: to see, a lot of responses. And I can tell it's a bit of a polarizing character because some people like really hate it and feel like it does feel a bit too cocky. And then some people are like, we haven't seen a female character like this in the YA romance space, this is awesome. So it's really been like one response or the other that I've noticed, but obviously what we were going for was a character that didn't feel smug or cocky, but a woman that was like strong and in her own skin and wasn't gonna be pushed around. And I think given her past, It made sense that she had these defense mechanisms up and it made sense that she was confident and she knew who she was. So um, yeah, I think the response has kind of been on both sides of that coin, but certainly what we were going for is a a version of this character and this kind of what could fall into a typical trope and we wanted it to feel like a new version.
0: And and as she starts to kind of open herself up to the idea of this relationship with Travis, the more that she realizes how deep her feelings are. And this isn't something that's that's going away that she can run away from. Um, how did you kind of find the nuance of, OK, I feel like she's going to let her guard down a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, because it kind of it really changes the way that she is around him. She's more willing to be much more vulnerable with him as it goes on. Yeah. And
2: and it was fun. And we shot a lot of the film sort of in sequence too. So it was kind of fun to like, as Dylan and I got to know each other more throughout filming, that naturally became a bit easier as well. So kind of organically through the filming process that tends to happen as you get to know people better. So that was kind of organically happening in real life. And then As well, like I said, the way we shot everything, there were scenes where she was more standoffish or we played certain scenes where she was more standoffish until the very end. And then there were scenes where she started to soften. So we really just gave every layer and played in every take so that it could become whatever it needed to become in the edit.
0: And there's something kind of fun about the scene in the moment where she's very drunk and it's it's kind of for Travis, that's when he admits his emotions because the stakes are, are lowered a little yeah. bit. But for both of the characters, it felt like that was the first time that they were able to just be very truthful with one another. Um, and so for you, what were the aspects of honesty that you really saw her expressing that maybe she wouldn't have if it wasn't for just kind of really being able to let loose in that moment?
2: Yeah. I think you see her be like kind of silly for the first time and not try to be dressed up and, you know, in an outfit that's not her at all. And um, she's just able to be silly and let her guard down. And, you know, the saying, what, what I, I'm probably going to misquote this, but like drunk words or sober thoughts or something like that. So it's sort of like that feeling as well. And I think for her, there's a safety in in being drunk and being able to say the next day if she needed to, I didn't mean any of that and protect herself or whatever it is. But I do think in that moment, it's really the first time where the two of them are able to kind of stop like playing cat and mouse a little bit and
0: just acknowledge how they feel about each other. On on the opposite side, there's the moment where they're kind of in a confrontational moment and they're having an argument. Um. And, you know, she's very able to express her feelings and her emotions and the things that have upset her in that moment. But there's obviously so much subtext because it's like whatever she's annoyed about, it's also these three other things that we're not even discussing in this moment. Um, And so what, what was that like in going into filming a scene like that and really just figuring out what's the subtext for her in this moment in addition to everything that she's saying? Well, that
2: was a really interesting scene because it was entirely different about 20 minutes before we shot it. So we went to rehearse the scene and then we realized... Roger, Dylan, and I, all three of us were like, this isn't right. This isn't, because we'd shot more of the film at that point and we kind of knew what we were building and what was, and I couldn't remember, I don't remember what was on the page at the time, but uh, we were like, we need to rewrite this. So all three of us sat in Roger's trailer and we rewrote that entire scene, not even rewrote, just created that scene um, where she was way more drunk and she was pushing him away and she was repeating herself a bunch. And uh, we came up with that entire scene right before we shot it. I mean, we were learning the lines literally dropped the scripts and then shot it like it was it was all so last minute so it kind of didn't give us much time to overthink or create any of that it just kind of like lived in the moment it was what it was because it was such a last minute scene that we created which i also think worked for playing drunk as well because it gave me more freedom of like i don't really know the lines at this point but she's drunk so it's fine um, so it allowed that whole scene to, I think, have, um, like a bit of an adrenaline kick to it because it had just
0: been created. And what ended up being the most challenging aspects of, of playing this character and making this particular project for you throughout the process?
2: We were in Bulgaria in the winter and that's always tough. It was very cold when we were making this movie. Um, but I just think to me, the challenges of this character were her past and her backstory. And then also the fact that it was Based off a book, and we knew that book fans were maybe not going to be so happy with the direction we were taking the character in. So that always is in the back of your head, of like a little bit nervous, like oh, I hope they're not too mad at us for making these changes. But um, you just have to stick with the decisions you've made and trust that they're the right ones, and hope that you know book fans can kind of accept this new version of the character and this new version of the film and grow to love it for what it is and not compare it too much to the books.
0: Well, I really, really appreciate hearing all of this. It's really interesting to hear everything that went into making the movie. So thank you so much, Virginia. Appreciate your time. Thank today. you so
2: much. Thank you.